It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. Joining us now, ESPN senior MLB insider Jeff Passan. In addition to his columns at ESPN.com, he regularly appears on ESPN programming, SportsCenter, GetUp, etc., providing updates on all the late-breaking news in Major League Baseball. And here's the thing, I have to confess, I'm not quite yet in a full baseball mentality as a sports fan. I'm focused on Northwestern hoops, I'm focused on Devils hockey, but I'm here in Florida for the day, and spring training in full swing so why not have this conversation as baseball is nearly here? Jeff Passan, welcome back to the show. I will get you into baseball by the end of this conversation, guys. Okay, it's a challenge, and I like that you just threw down the gauntlet, and I don't doubt it, actually, because I want to start here. Most of the baseball content that has been seeping into my social feed is from you, and there's a couple of videos that have captured my attention over the last week or so, one of which we briefly mentioned last week, that wild moment in the preseason game, Atlanta and Boston, and how that game ended with the bases loaded based on this new rule change. Then relatedly, I think you tweeted it either today or yesterday, a strikeout that took 20 seconds in one of the Yankees' preseason games. The Yankees, the relief pitcher came in, struck a man out in 20 seconds. And I was skeptical. I clicked play on the video, and yep, that's how it went down. This new pitch clock and all the related rules definitely causing conversations among fans. What are the effects so far of the new rules, and how is it affecting spring training? What are you hearing from, like, you know, the guys? Yeah, it's the dominant storyline of spring training so far, and frankly, I think it's going to remain that throughout the season, Guy, because what we're seeing is a completely different version of a sport than what we have over the last probably 30 years. Baseball has slowly ground to a halt in terms of its pace. The average game time last year was three hours, seven minutes. And uh, the, the gain of half an hour of game time over the last quarter century or so uh, really has been a problematic thing for baseball, I think, in terms of not just maintaining fans who have a finite amount of time to devote to sports every day, which is what baseball is, but in bringing in new fans. And uh, whether it is families that can't afford to stay the ballpark, uh, stay at the ballpark that late, or it's uh, particularly a younger group of fans that, frankly, uh, in, in a lot of cases, doesn't have uh, the desire to sit around for three-plus hours every night watching a game. I think there's a psychological barrier to that three-hour mark, and Major League Baseball saw this as an existential crisis and thought, okay, what is the most elegant solution that we can come up with? It's not cutting games to seven innings. It's essentially trying to restore what baseball looked like in the past. And look, that's a gamble. It's a real gamble to suggest 
that back in the 1970s and 1980s, the game was better than it is these days. And yet, as someone who was born in 1980 and who grew up at the end of uh, fast-paced baseball and, uh, you know, non-clock baseball, uh, I, I see the games now and I'm like, oh, my God. This looks different. This feels like listening to a podcast on 1.25 speed, <laughs> but God, it's fun. And it encourages players not just to do things faster, but, but really to get back to the rhythm of the game uh, when the game was at its most popular. However, so like I, I get all that. And yes, sometimes it's very long and it's, you know, a seven o'clock start on a weeknight. It's a Tuesday night. You know, you'll schlep up to the, ballpark or whatever then all of a sudden it's ten thirty. it's you know if you got little kids it's hard i get all of that and the attention span issues fine i just don't like the idea of clocks playing any significant role in this game we have every other sport basically of the big ones certainly are controlled by the clock baseball is not that it's like what distinguishes and separates the sport from the other ones and I like that. I'm worried about losing that. And the other thing is, and it's sort of contradicting my previous point to some extent, I enjoy, maybe not on a Tuesday night when I've got work the next day, but on a Saturday afternoon, I like going to the ballpark, having a beer, sitting back, taking in the sun, people watching a little bit, and letting the game just breathe and unfold at its pace. And sometimes you get the cat and mouse game where, you know, it's quickly 0-2, and, and the batter needs to shake it up, so he calls time and takes a little walk to sort of mess with the pitcher. Like, those things are part of the game that I think that they're now trying to forcibly eliminate. I just wonder how much of a backlash there's going to be from, like, fuddy-duddies like me who actually enjoy some of the traditions that may be, quote-unquote, problematic for future fans. I don't know. I, all of those are, points are fair. I think what distinguishes baseball is not its ability to breathe, but uh, the necessity to think, right? The, the strategic elements. You, I, I think you can argue baseball is the most strategic of our major professional sports in America. And I think the clock adds another layer of strategy. And look, maybe I'm just... Um, drinking the Kool-Aid here. Maybe uh, the fact that I see over the last 25 years, 10 million fewer fans are going to games per year. Uh, I see that as a threat to the sport. And I see baseball's relevancy in the sporting landscape um, not erased entirely, but certainly the, the NFL is the dominant sport. And you could argue the NBA, college football, and maybe even college basketball, uh, certainly during March, or uh, if not on par, then more relevant than baseball. And so I think that Major League Baseball and the commissioner's office really worried about where baseball is in the landscape these days and figured, hey, if you love baseball, we're not taking any of the baseball away, guy. Like, the, it's not a different game in the respect of there are fewer outs than 27 or uh, the strike zone is different or, you know, you walk on three balls and strike out on two strikes. It's none of that. It's essentially you looking at a nice, large, marbled piece of meat. And you can leave the fat in there if you want. If you really want to be gluttonous, then you're not cutting the fat cap off the top of the brisket. But 
if you want to trim some of the fat, something that is just empty calories, that's what they're doing. This is just a game that is sped up by taking away the parts that are irrelevant to its outcome. And I think that's how Major League Baseball is uh, is approaching this. And, and it's interesting to me. You talk about the, the old fuddy-duddies who may not know. The old fuddy-duddies guy like this because it's more reminiscent of the game that they grew up watching. The people who are having the toughest time are Gen Zers and, and younger millennials. Uh, they look at this and they're like, hold on a second. This isn't the game I love. Right. But I think I think – Major League Baseball is making a calculated bet that if you love we'll baseball, yeah, you're just you're going to get used to it. It's it, yeah. So it's look, cute. maybe maybe I'm I'm not an old fuddy duddy. Maybe I'm a young fuddy duddy for the reason that you just explained, and I'm still sort of stuck on your very elaborate meat analogy. I have to say, uh, perhaps more elegant than this solution they've come up with, but. It's like, okay, what's the alternative? Are the other alternatives being floated out there even less elegant, less appealing? I think there's maybe a case to be made on that front. Another rules change that I quickly want to get to here, Jeff, is the end of the shift, right? This drove people crazy where they would use all the analytics and the defense would all move to one side of the field, basically, to try to cut down on a hitter's strength, basically, uh, which was strategic, and it's using numbers and that sort of thing. It did change the game in a significant way. Now they're trying to reverse that change. How are they going to enforce it exactly? Because, you know, there's always been shading in baseball. Like, okay, we're going to shade this guy toward right because he's a pull hitter and a lefty, whatever, versus a shift. What are the rules? How are they enforcing that? Shading is still allowed. It's it's a pretty simple thing. You need to have two infielders on each side of the second base bag, and all of the infielders need to have their feet on the dirt when the pitch is thrown. Okay. So uh, the enforcement of this is a little different than the pitch clock. You can actually challenge the defensive shift rules with instant replay if you feel like there's been mm. a violation. And sort so, of like, a, like he left too early on a tag-up type thing? Like, let's see if that's... Actually, what happened? Uh, yeah, I, huh. Yep. I, I mean, if we're going to equate this to football, it's like you can use replay for neutral zone infractions. That, that's essentially what this is. Uh, you cannot do that with the pitch clock. There is no challenging that. But uh, the, the hope is that they're going to bring back more action into the game. Now, that action comes via singles mostly. So if you want to make an argument against this, I think the the best is that, okay, we're here for doubles and triples and home runs, not singles. But I think there's a, a romanticization of the single in baseball and the idea that batting average fell to the lowest it's been since 1968 last year. This is all part of the rules, which really are trying to highlight the athleticism in the game, whether yep. it's via the, the hits that are dropping that wouldn't in the past and you have more base runners then, or the fact that they have bigger bases now. And with bigger bases, there's less room in between the bags and those bang-bang plays may go more to the runners trying to steal bases than they do the catchers and taggers. Now, of course, it could slow down the game if you have more base hits and more base runners, right? Fewer outs recorded, but I guess that's the other side uh, of this equation that they're trying to figure out and find whatever this new equilibrium is going to look like. Jeff Passan, as we look to not the broad view of the sport and some of the changes being made, as we look to this coming season, in terms of your power rankings in your mind, you know, who's maybe most improved? Is there a team that's been great that's more diminished? 
what's your outlook for some of the, the big teams, and is there maybe uh, one team or perhaps more that you think are dark horses out there? I mean, the National League West is extremely interesting. The San Diego Padres, who exist in a small media market, have somehow turned into a leviathan of spending. And seeing them go out and sign Xander Bogarts for $280 million and lock up Manny Machado for 350 when they have Fernando Tatis already at 340 and sign you Darvish and Joe Musgrove both for $100-plus million dollars uh, and potentially lock up Juan Soto long-term and – uh, you know, the, the hope is they're going to go after Shohei Otani when he's a free agent after the season. Like, the Padres are here to stay, and they are very a very real threat to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who, remember, they beat in the postseason yep. last yep. year. And, and the Dodgers really didn't do a whole lot this offseason. There were a bunch of, really, you know, top-end shortstops, Trey Turner getting $300 million, Bogarts, Carlos Correa. Um, the, I mean, there was a lot out there and they chose to stick internally with Gavin Lux who tore an ACL in like the second or third spring training game. So I'm not going to suggest that the Dodgers aren't going to be good this year, but let's remember they won 111 games last year. So it, they are not the same team that won 111 games. All right. That's the NL West, uh, Yankees. I'm a Yankee fan. So obviously, you know, they got the judge deal done for a huge amount of money. There was some drama there. Uh, some other moves as well, you know, the Yankees, in my mind, this is how I've been for a couple of years now. They're going to be good, but are they going to be good enough? And I don't know. I mean, I I look at the American League East uh, as if it has to go through the Yankees after the way they played last year, not just signing Aaron Judge, but bringing in Carlos Radon as well. That said, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays are a very good top-to-bottom team. The Tampa Bay Rays are always in the mix, even if you don't know, uh, you know, three-quarters of the players on the team. The Baltimore Orioles right now are an ascendant team with the best farm system in baseball and a bunch of good young players. And that leaves the Boston Red Sox, who, you know, whatever you think of them, the, the notion that the Red Sox are going to finish in last for the third time in four years doesn't seem very likely just it because sounds wonderful, the Red actually, but yeah. yeah it sounds fantastic um <laughs> the, the american league east to me you could aside from the red sox uh, and probably the orioles you you know if tampa wins that division wouldn't surprise me if toronto wins that division wouldn't surprise me but the, the real thing with the yankees isn't the 162 in the regular season it's okay how are they going to perform in october yep. And yep. I, I hate to I hate to bring up uh, scars here, but uh, they got swept by the Astros in the AL. That's right. Last That's year. right. And, it has to be and it was it yes, it was an embarrassing sweep too. So uh, the Yankees have an October bugaboo right now, and they need to figure out how to get over it because it's been a decade plus since their last championship, and you know they've been waiting for number twenty eight for a long, long time. And I'm not sure this team as currently constructed. Uh, is going to be the one that gets it. Yep, uh, I'm not sure either. I'll be watching, and maybe months from now we can revisit that question, and hopefully we'll talk before then. Jeff Passan of ESPN, our guest, as we are on the brink of baseball, which always puts a smile on my face, even if it's still weeks away, right around this neck of the woods, South Florida, a lot of baseball being played in these early days, spring training. Jeff, great stuff. Always appreciate it. Let's talk soon. Embrace that pitch clock, guy. Uh, we'll see. I'm, you know, I'm a conservative. We don't like change, right? 
We're grumpy about things sometimes. So just, you know, just give me a few months maybe, and then we can check back in. Jeff Basson, our guest on The Guy Benson Show. We'll be right back. That was this week's edition of The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.